listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. No. Nope. Still not. I really felt like you were going to say not Jen again this time. Yeah, because I do do every time. And that's it. I'm keeping it at that. So, Well, now I feel like in suspense, like next week you might switch it up because you just committed to keeping it Then maybe you need to listen next week to fucking see. Maybe I'll tune into the show. (laughs) (laughs) Same time, same place, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, it takes a village, and we bring you this show weekly with our stories, tips, and expert guests to help you navigate the complicated world of dating. So help us in the podcast world by doing your part and rating our show and leaving us comments about what you think. You can leave those comments at It's Complicated Podcast on iTunes, where you're also going to rate and comment and tell a friend. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I'm basically telling you what to do. So do it. So do those things and just know that it's really helpful to us because it shows that we have a loyal following and a growing audience and it's going to help us bring you sponsors and offers and it keeps everything running in this village for us, the village that it takes to date. So do your part. Don't be a a deadbeat citizen of the village. (laughs) Contribute to the village and we thank you. We do, thank you. Um, guys, we've got blogger and author of Why I Gave Up Men for Lent, Casey Maine, back for sloppy seconds to discuss why we're not really happy and how unplugging from our devices can help us reconnect with others and ultimately focus on ourselves. And since we know you're all fans of ours and of Casey's, we, am sh- we are sure that you've heard her on our podcast before. But in case you haven't, in case you're a first-time listener and you don't already know about Casey Maine and her amazing book, we're going to tell you a little bit about her. She is 34 years old and recently left her successful career to pursue her dream of being a writer. She specializes in relationships, self-reflection, and personal growth. And Casey just released her first book titled, I Gave Up Men for Lent, Amazing, the story of a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health-conscious party girl's search for meaning. It chronicles the 40-ish days of Lent where she legit gave up men, guys. Um, A time that turned into a lot of self-reflection and taking ownership of her life, including her tumultuous relationship history. And she also gave up um, like sweets and hard alcohol and some other, and social media, I believe. So there's obviously more than just like the relationship aspect to this book, but you guys should definitely take a look. Um, And also Casey is a blogger and she's got an amazing blog chock full of like, basically it's complicated episodes. So just tune into that, read that. Um, Casey's an amazing writer and we're just so happy to be talking to her again. Yeah, we are. She didn't give up on us for Lent because she's back like the second coming. Welcome back, Casey. Yay, welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, as you know, we keep it complicated. So we're just going to discuss very quickly what's been going on in our lives. Lauren, yes, I have been. Well, first of all, Casey, side note, you were just, you've been doing your podcast rounds and you were just on my BFF podcast and we are having my BFF podcast on our show. So you've been, you've been doing, you've been a busy girl. Yeah, I'm getting around. You guys will love her. She's amazing. Yeah. We're excited to have her on. And like, 
I had, speaking of busy, a busy Memorial Day weekend, I went to Bottle Rock in Napa, the music festival that I went to last year. And guess what, guys? I was with my friend who was pregnant and I rode her coattails the entire weekend because she's like, you know, taking it a little bit easier. She was like trooper, but I was like, I might as well just be a pregnant person because I was like, I mean, besides all the wine I was drinking, I was just like, yeah, just being real chill. So thank God she was there with me. But it's fun to be with couples that are like really love each other and just prove to you that like getting married and like having babies, it doesn't really change like the fun and the life that you can have. So I really appreciated being around them. It was fun. Jen, what'd you do? Um, well, I had a long weekend of, I did a lot of relaxing. I did a lot of drinking though. And that like made me feel really icky. And oh my God. kind of like made me think like, maybe I should drink less or maybe like, I don't know. I had like a moment where I was like, wait a second. Well, do I not like alcohol anymore? She, well, I don't know. But I, mean, I do. Obviously, obviously Casey goes into that in her book and I and James both were like kind of considering not drinking in the month of June. The problem with that is it's like the start of summer and then like you day drink I know. and like you go outside and you're like, wait a second, I want rosé. But, but like, I think maybe the goal is to drink less yeah. and like not to keep it going. So then it doesn't feel like icky. It, it more feels like a delight. I would basically be doing it because during the month of July, there is going to be a lot of drinking happening. And, and so I'm trying to be like, maybe I should not maybe I should just tell myself to not do it. And then I'll, I'll have maybe like one drink the whole month of June. You're something. almost giving it up for like June. I'm, I'm giving it up for gent gent. Yeah. Um, well, I also got a massage and I did like a cryo facial. I got my Ooh. mani pedi done. And I hung out with like my pregnant friend who's literally about to pop this week. Um, also, what did I do? I don't even know. There was lots of men lots coming of and going. Lots of self-care. Lots of men coming and going. Oh, I did something that I think is noted, notable. So I went up to these dudes at a party, and I didn't know if they were gay, straight, or what. But I was like, you know what? It's an open bar. I'm going to use a cheeky line and see if they're interested in talking to us. So I walked up, and I was like, hey, can you guys get our drinks too? Because obviously it was free, so they didn't yeah. have to pay for it. And they did. And then they followed us over and kept talking to us all night. And one asked me for my number. Great. Yeah. So that happened. And I put myself out there. Because you weren't on your phone. Exactly. I kept it present. Yeah. So we really want to talk about all that shit with you today, Casey. But first, we're really just stuck on this, like, why we're really not happy and like, according to your Dirty 30 article, we're not really happy. So like, why the fuck aren't we happy? Tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, of course, this is my opinion, but I, I don't think, I think that a lot of us are not. And on even like a level above that, we're not really aware of it. And that gets into kind of how, how distracted we keep ourselves with our phones and social media and all that stuff. But the reasons that that I think that we're not really happy is we're we're too attached to what we think life is supposed to be, and that definition can change depending on just kind of the the little world that you live in and your friends and your family and kind of what everyone else does around you and what you grew up seeing everybody else do when you were kind of outwardly told or just kind of you you just witnessed it that like this is 
you know, this is what life is. So for me, it was, you know, you go to college and then you get a job and then you get married and then you have babies and, you know, and then you progress up into your job and then you retire and then you travel. It's like, and then you're happy. And maybe you don't really like your job, but that's okay. It pays the bills, all that kind of stuff. So I just, I don't, I think that's forcing a lot of us to fit into some kind of mold that doesn't actually fit. And, and we're really scared to break out of that mold for, for many reasons, you know, fear of failure, fear of rejection, um, all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, judging your and then I think judging you and like, what are you doing? And you're supposed to be doing this thing or your friends or society or whatever. Well, what the F, what are exactly. you do then if you have that, like, I guess the schema of all of those things are supposed to make you happy. I mean, listen, my mom is still like, go to temple on a Friday and meet your Jewish husband. I'm like, lady, what makes you think that's going to get me, make me happy? And then she's like, go marry a doctor. I'm like, still, that guy could be a drug addict or sleeping around. <laughs> I don't know. Have you not seen Grey's Anatomy? And also it's not just easy. Like that's not a digestible goal. It's like, go do that thing. That's so far away from where you're at right now. It's like, maybe, I don't know, start with the first step that, that is not just like, go marry that person. Like there's, four billion other steps in between here and there. Yeah. Like take a nap. That'll make me happy. Yeah. (laughs) That's always an important step taking a nap. But I think this is where I think it's like, we have this like herd mentality and it's not necessarily from a negative standpoint, but it's kind of like whatever worked for you, you then kind of impress upon somebody else. So sometimes it's not, it's a good intention. Like it's people People, you know, give you the advice that they give you because they love you and they want what's best for you and they've seen what's worked for them or what's worked for millions of other people. But I think what's most important is that we just all do what feels right to us. And that's, that can be different and that's, that's okay. Or maybe it is exactly the life plot that I just described and that's fine too. It's like we don't all have to be living the same life. I've found that herd mentality has come up quite often in the wedding planning that has happened for that has been happening for me. And it's kind of why I like took a break from it for like a month or two, because everyone impresses their opinions and advice onto you. And like, also think about all the other herd like weddings you've been to where you're like, I have to do this thing and spend this money. And like, right. this is, this is what everyone does. Yeah. And it's so weird, but obviously there's traditions in there, but anyway, yeah, I think it comes up at different stages of your life. And you also talk about in your article about how there's always like something else that people are asking you to do. Like, um, you know, if you go to college, then you like graduate and people are like, so what's your job going to be? And then, um, when are you going to get promoted? Or if you have a boyfriend, it's like, when are you going to get married? Then you get married. It's like, when are you going to have a baby? Then, you know, if there's always something else that like people are kind of, like we said, impressing on you to like, when you're going to do that next thing, where, when are you going to fall into that herd? But it's also like, you can't obviously be present in anything. Like, so the minute you got engaged, for instance, Lauren, yeah. it was like, where are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? What are you going to do for marriage? Like all the things. Are you going to take his name? Right. Where's just the like sit and enjoy and like really relish the fact that, oh, this is amazing. Like I just got engaged. Like me and this man just decided we're going to live the rest of our lives together and just live in that moment. Like we don't, we don't live in the moments. We're always looking to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you do mention also, and we'll touch on this more about like unplugging, but that we're so disconnected, but it's so crazy to think about like, 
being disconnected from our happiness or like what actually like we want in life when we're so constantly connected. So, I mean, I think one is like obviously connectivity and the actual like devices we're connected on, but then like, why are we so disconnected? Well, I think that goes back to it. And this is where it's just so funny. The devices that are connecting us so much technically to each other and to the news and, you know, just to the whole outside world. I think the first level of disconnect is we're not then connected to ourselves anymore because we're constantly spending all this time looking outward instead of inward. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Think about it. If you're sitting, I think we talked about this in the last episode, you're sitting, you're like waiting, you know, at a doctor's office. What do you do? Like you pull out your phone. If you're on a train, if you're on an Uber, like you're looking on your phone, even if you pull up to like, you're driving, you pull up to a stoplight, like you're, you're checking your phone. And we just, we no longer have those moments of like quiet and, and just sitting with ourselves and it's uncomfortable. But if you think about it, like, why do we have those urges to constantly be reading something or looking and seeing what somebody else is doing? So it's like, we're not hanging out with ourselves or, or talking to ourselves or listening to ourselves or, or any of that. So then if we're disconnected from who we really are, then any of our connection with the outside world is, is superficial to some extent because we've lost touch with ourselves. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it affects the dating sphere like immensely, I think. I mean, while you said like the phone can connect us, dating apps can connect us. It's like, think about the percentage of people that actually get off a dating app and go on a date. Like it, it actually makes you disconnect from the person, even though it's connect, potentially connecting you together. Well, and to add to that, it's like kind of what you were saying too, Casey, about there's like so much, you're like inundated with options on your phone between like, Googling between uh, like Instagram, between Amazon, between whatever you're doing on emails, between, I mean, honestly, there's so many ways to communicate with somebody or like read things on the phone. And then there's like podcasts, there's all these other things that you can do on your phone that like, I feel like the dating apps, people don't have consistency because they see a squirrel and they're like, oh shit, I forgot I was swiping or I forgot I was communicating with (laughs) my potential soulmate. Right. And then you don't respond. Right. Totally. Like, where'd you go? Major Hello? distraction. Well, I think even that, but also in this, so then this, this is going to kind of tie back to the herd mentality. So, you know, you're, you're on a dating app, you see somebody's profile, maybe you're communicating with them, you know, and then, and then what do we do? We then take the stalking to the next level. Cause then we're Googling them. We're finding them on Facebook. Do they have a LinkedIn profile? Like, are they on Snapchat? All this stuff. And so we're finding whatever information we can find because so much information is available to us now. And then we're like piecing together who we assume they are based on like the herd mentality outlines of society. So, you know, you see certain pictures of them doing certain things and you create who they are in your mind, which is doing to them the exact opposite of what we ever want done to us. 100%. And then the other thing too about that is like, while you're doing the whole stalking, like, I don't know if you're like me, but you end up in a rabbit hole and you're like one hour later, how did I get to somebody's cousin's mother's brother's wedding that now I'm sending yeah. that wedding looks like <laughs> wedding. And I'm like, yeah. wait, where did I start? Yeah. You like lose the trail that you were even on. We talked about this on a show, um, or, uh, we have talked about this before about like intent behind things too. I think you just need to mm-hmm. always go into 
Like if I'm going on a dating app, I should be focusing right now on the dating app. And what's my intent right now? Because you're putting that energy out there. If you're distracted and like doing it with like an, an annoying, like feeling behind everything, then like probably all your dates are going to feel that way. Like you're not that into them and like you're annoyed. So exactly. And then what is the intention behind the stalking? It's probably one of two things. One, you want to confirm that they are exactly who you want them to be. Or two, you want to prove that they aren't going to work for you. And neither of those intentions is really good when it comes to dating because you should go into any date with the intention of, I'm just going to be really open-minded and just get to know who this person is. Like curiosity that lives under the umbrella, the umbrella of like acceptance, not like judgment in terms of determining who somebody is before you even have a conversation with them. Yeah, because it is hard to do that. Like if you're going to look at pictures or do some stalking, if you will, you're going to see some things that are going to trigger the like societal hurting mentality. Like he looks like this, that equals that. He has this job, that means he has roommates or he whatever. <laughs> what? But what if that is actually true though? What if this person has a roommate, but like, what if they own the house they live in and that's their friend or their cousin and they're just helping them pay their rent or whatever? Like, you don't know. Or what if like, wouldn't you rather have a guy that's awesome that has a roommate than like the hot guy that doesn't have a roommate that like is a dick and like who or whatever? Like sometimes those things you think they matter, but you don't really know when you're prejudging. You don't know until you're in the moment and in person and you get a real vibe and a real feeling that those things matter or don't matter. Exactly. And then I think, I think a really important question here, because, you know, we can't ever change anyone else. So it always kind of comes back to us. So the question is like, why is that a big deal? If somebody has a roommate, why is that a big deal? It's a big deal to you because you're attaching an assumption to it. And the assumption is probably, oh, they don't make enough money. Okay, why is that a big deal to you? If you just kind of keep asking why, you eventually uncover something about yourself, not the other person. And maybe it's something that's really important to you, or maybe it's, you know, some kind of like fear associated with like, I need somebody else to take care of me because I don't think I'll ever be able to take care of myself because I'm unworthy and a failure at my job and all this like negative stuff. And so that's what really matters that you have this underlying belief about yourself, not that he has a roommate. So it's like, it's like, if you keep asking why, and this is where you have to be super honest with yourself, you'll always uncover something about yourself. But you'll only ever do that like if you're just sitting and thinking and you're not scrolling and in the rabbit hole of stalking or, you know, streaming music or binging Netflix or all the other millions of distractions. Right. Yeah. And you and you recommend this and I've heard you on other podcasts and we've heard you and um, read your blog and things like a good way to do that is to journal because you can be really honest with yourself without filtering like oh, that's going to make me sound this way. Or I don't want to, you know, I mean, not everyone publishes their journal like you do. So you're not (laughs) freedom of being really honest with yourself because facing your fears and getting really honest with yourself and not just like filtering yourself, that's part of the healing that has to happen before you can, I think, I think like share your life with somebody in a, 
the best way you can. You know, you want to be your best self. And obviously that's a constant Absolutely. work. That's not like get to that point and then date, like you're going to be constantly working on it. But I think you, there are some like obvious things you can ask yourself to like get out of your own way. I, I agree with that completely. And I, I really think that, you know, we can only love to the extent that we understand what love is. And I think that where we learn the most is with, you know, our love or lack of love with ourselves. So you have to start there. And in order to love yourself, you have to accept yourself in, in your entirety at whatever stage of the process you are. Maybe there are things you want to change, but this is where like you can you can accept where you are in process and still recognize what you want to change. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, one or the other. And so journaling is a great way to help identify all of that because it is a very safe space to just write out whatever, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're afraid of. And in those moments where you catch yourself like, Oh no, I'm going to, you know, delete this sentence or erase this or cross this out or whatever, then that's a big important moment to be like, wait, why do I care? Like, this is a journal. No one's reading this but me. Like, why, why am I embarrassed to put this even just in front of my own eyes? Well, some people seem to be in denial, and I'm sure it works for a while because, like you say, like, we're escape artists and can deny it. Like, we can distract ourselves with all kinds of things. But now, I have a question for you about passion because you say that passion is on the back burner, but it seems like everyone's striving for something. Like, they're like a Uber driver slash creative director person, or they're inventing an app or like everyone, at least in LA seems like there's something they're passionate about and they're going after the thing. They might not be successful at it yet, but like, do you feel like that's a passion or do you think that like career might just be sort of this other thing versus like something they're passionate about, like maybe a hobby? So I, this is where I, I think there can maybe be some geographical differences. So you guys out in LA, you guys are maybe a little bit more progressive in terms of, you know, juggling both job and passion and trying to make a passion work than maybe we are here in, you know, Northeast Florida. But also I think there's a generational difference. So I think like the millennial generation is much better about being aware of their passions and trying to pursue them. Whereas like the, the baby boomer generation and what's the next one, Gen X, um, you know, they, they lived a little bit more under kind of the constraints of like, you get a job and that's what you do and you don't necessarily like it, but it's a job. And so, and then I think there's like a sliver of a generation in between Gen X and millennials, which I, I, consider I don't like identify with either of them I think there's like a sliver of us that are somewhere in between and so we like straddle that line of wanting to pursue our passions but also feeling all of this pressure and and guilt and expectation of you know just having a job that that pays the bills so I, I think you know awareness is is the is the biggest step so it's if you are, if you know what your passion is and you know what really drives you and so that's going to be your side hustle while you still have your normal job and maybe you have your normal job for the rest of your life and your passion's always a side hustle, that, that's fine. I just, I think there's maybe even a lack of awareness of what our passion even is and I think that's causing an innate unhappiness because we just fell into this 
you know, oh, I you know, go to college and I get this job and I, you know, and, and that's my life and I don't love my job, but whatever, it pays the bills. And, and so we're missing that passion from our life altogether. Well, I got to say, dating somebody with no passion is a real snooze fest. I've gone on some lately where I'm like, hello, do you have anything to talk about? You just keep yes anding me and my things that I'm talking about. So it just feels like maybe even like sort of what I was saying originally about people having like career aspirations. It almost feels like people are now too ingrained in this American dream and getting ahead that they've lost passion because mm-hmm. they're thinking they're going after passion, but really they're losing like their personality. It's or almost like little robots. Or they're confusing like passion with like, well, my passion is to make money, but like, I don't think they're diving deep enough or continuing to ask themselves questions about like, why is that my passion? Or, and maybe it is for some people and that's what drives them, but it's contagious. So like if, if you're not being honest with yourself or don't even, like you said, Casey, not even aware that you're not being honest with yourself, which is even a step mm-hmm. further in, then it's contagious because you're, let's say you're on a date with this person. Like that person isn't going to be passionate about you either. Probably, you know, I mean, right. There's never, and, and there's nothing like, I don't think there's anything wrong with like, if your if your passion is, is to make money, like that in itself, fine. So again, I'm going to ask like, why? If it's to provide for your family, that's a very different answer than like, oh, because I want to have a big house and expensive cars so that I look like I'm successful. You know what I mean? So it's like the why behind things, I think is where we really where we really find the insight into ourselves and into other people, but we tend to more like judge each other or, or define each other by just like the surface level answer. Right. Um, and I think part of getting, like we've mentioned a couple of times already, part of getting to this happiness and asking yourself questions and allowing yourself to do that is like not getting these distractions, not getting in the way of yourself or not being distracted by things and one of like a, one really good way to do that is to, I mean, you gave up men for Lent with some other things. Like you also gave your phone up, basically spent a weekend unplugged to you know, <laughs> let not like complicate things and to like really be in touch with yourself and find yourself. And like, so first of all, why did you decide to spend a weekend completely unplugged? So I got that idea from Tim Ferriss. I heard him, um, and it was one of his podcast episodes, and this was a long time ago. And he mentioned that, I think he said like once a quarter, like once every three months, I think, I I can't remember if he said he does a weekend or just a day that he like doesn't have his phone. I think he goes out surfing or hiking or or who knows, but just to, to get away from all of it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. Like I, I'd love to spend more time like outdoors and doing that kind of stuff. I, I don't really, but it's something I'd love to do. And then I decided in early this year to try and do an entire weekend unplugged. And I went and I like rented this, you know, cute little cabin on a river on Airbnb. So it was like super cheap, mostly because I wanted to see if I could do it. But also like, I just started to notice, you know, since I published the book and, you know, I'm, I'm doing the writing and the blogging thing and, you know, social media is kind of a necessary component of that. Like you have to have a presence and be out there for people to find you and, you know, kind of get, get your writing out there and promote the book and all that stuff. So it's like all of a sudden I'm managing 
several social media accounts, like my personal one and then like my writing one. And I'm, you know, trying to plan out all these posts. And I just, I started to feel it like I'm constantly checking my phone more than I usually would be because I'm, you know, waiting on emails of sales reports and all this stuff. And, and I just remembered that Tim Ferriss thing. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if I can like break away from it and actually just spend some time doing whatever it is I feel like doing, because I'm not even always aware of what I want to do in any given moment, because we're, our lives are very scheduled out, we're very busy, and then in those moments of non-busyness is when we're, you know, doing all the distraction stuff, and we're catching up on social media and Netflix and all that stuff, so I, I really, it was a little bit of a challenge to myself, because I knew it would be good for me, so that's kind of why I initially did it would be a challenge for anybody. So besides just like initially just really, really, really discovering how like reliant you were on your phone for everything, because you mentioned like you wanted to know what time the sun was going to come up. Like you're mm-hmm. like, why don't I just fucking look with my eyes? I mean, like, like I'm outside. <laughs> yeah. which we get like, I mean, yeah, it's like, what, what, you know, we say this to ourselves all the time. Like, what the fuck did we, how did we get around when we didn't have ways? And like, it's like, you become so dependent on this thing. Remember when we used to know everyone's phone number? Like remember in the eighties when you needed to yep. call Joanna and you fucking knew her phone number. Joanna. Like I still know Joanna's phone number, by the way. So just <laughs> FYI, in case you want to give her a call, I'm just saying it's like, <laughs> I don't know that stuff anymore. If there was an emergency and I had to like somehow use someone else's phone to call like Jen, I would not be able to do it. Um, I, and I right. think it has to do now, like we all have some version of ADD because we don't have to have a memory for anything because everything lives in our cell phone. So like, I do feel people are not as present because they're like, Oh, I can just like refer back or I can, you know, Google that thing. I don't have to like really listen to the seminar I'm sitting in because I can look that topic up later. Like we don't have to remember things. So like our brains, I feel like, like even on dates, I feel like people are not remembering things that I say and I'm sure I don't remember things they say because I'm like whatever I'll just go back to like our text thread or, or like your you, profile or you might already like be hearing you might be listening to the things they're saying but you've already prejudged them because you're stalked them and you're like <laughs> well this person's saying that but he's not really telling you the truth or whatever but beyond you Casey discovering how reliant you are on your phones and we all know how we are like what else like really slapped you in the face that you discovered about like Come, becoming unplugged for the weekend like what was another obvious like oh shit moment just e- even when you are completely unplugged so you know I'm sitting out on this little you know swinging chair on this little cabin on the river and it's all quiet and everything even in that in that in all that quiet time it is really hard to actually just live in the present moment to actually just sit there and enjoy where I where I was like instead I would constantly catch my brain moving into some future moment of oh well when I turn my phone back on I've got to do this or oh like you know what time should I go in and make dinner or how do I even know what time it is I've turned my phone off like just your brain just starts to it's just very very busy and I think that's essentially what meditation is you know to be able to just be in the present moment so that was that was very, very difficult. And it's like, I kind of thought, okay, I'm going to remove all this distractions of technology. And then here I am, I'll be in the present. But no, like that was like step one, but, but to actually just sit and be in that moment, enjoying where I was, was 
was very difficult. And that kind of goes back to what we were saying before, you know, like you get engaged and everyone's asking you the next step. So you don't even live in that moment of engagement. And I just think living in the moment is, is very difficult. And I think it's for a myriad of reasons, which, you know, all tie back to all of this distractions and, and everything we've been talking about. And even on a relationship level, think about all the ways that you can come become disconnected from your partner. Like, depending on whatever stage in the relationship you're at, whether you're like young working professionals and you're, you know, distracted by work or like you're just moving into a home or now you've got kids and think about all the things where you're sitting and eating dinner with your husband and your two kids and you're going like, what is on the schedule for tomorrow? After I finish this meal, I'm going to have to get up and make the lunch for tomorrow. And then so-and-so has Girl Scout meeting tomorrow and who's going to pick who up from the thing. And like now oh, you yeah. wonder if you're not having sex anymore. Like, hello? Because your whole- right organizational it it, it gets very logistical and and I get it because like I have so both my siblings now have children and so you know I'm witnessing them raise them and how that has like changed their lives and I I have not lived it firsthand but I've, I've seen it and I understand how difficult that can be because you do have to figure out all those logistics you know you do have to figure out what's going to be packed for lunch and who's picking who up from soccer practice and and all that stuff and so that's where I think it's it's being very intentional about finding the time to either spend with yourself, like real time with yourself and just like quiet, unplugged self-reflection and time with your significant other to have real conversation that isn't logistical, like in terms of happiness levels and future and goals and, you know, even reminiscing about the past and just something that isn't you know, the logistics of, of day-to-day life. Yeah. I think that's important to just, like you said, be aware, like those things have to happen. You do have to have, go over the logistics, but then, you know, find, carve out time. Like everybody has the same amount of hours in the day. So carve out time. If you have to get up earlier to fit that workout in for yourself, do it. If you have to like put the kids to bed five minutes earlier so you can sit down and like enjoy a glass of wine with your significant other and just like talk about something fun, do it. But like if you don't, if you're not aware that it even needs to happen in conjunction with all the other logistical stuff, it's the day hours in the day tick away. And before you know it, you're like, yep. Sleeping because you're just like too tired to do any of the other things. And now you all of a sudden are living a parallel life next to your significant other. Someone has an affair or whatever. I mean, that's worst case scenario. I'm just saying you can see how easily that would happen. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I think also like in terms of like even combining like all of this into one thing, like you said carve out like time in the day with your significant other, but also like carve out an hour a day where you don't use your phone or like carve like make it a practice where you can be fully present and like with yourself or with someone else where like you know how like people are carving in meditation and and making that special time or carving and um working out but like there is something to be said for like doing I, I think even like the skinny confidential Lauren Everts says like in the morning she doesn't even like look at her phone she makes the morning like her like mm-hmm. cleaning up she has her like morning routine and it's like all for her to kickstart her day so I think it, it's like a practice you put into place and while it might seem like a little forceful that you're like carving it out at the same time then they say it becomes a habit or you just see the benefits so you make more of that 
a habit. I think to expect that something's going to spontaneously happen when you know you're distracted and busy is BS. Like don't be so, don't be negligent to like the reality. Like you're not just going to spontaneously have sex every night. I know it doesn't sound romantic to like schedule out time, but like that doesn't. But then when it's happening, you can make it romantic or like a form of meditation could be just sitting at a, you know, on a cute, at a cabin, looking at a river. You don't have to like really meditate, but like just be present in the moment and like listen to the sounds and see what's in front of you. And like a doctor, make it more digestible is what I'm saying. Like a doctor told me once, try single tasking. Like everyone makes it such a big deal to like multitask. Ooh, you're a good multitasker. It's like an award. Like you're getting a damn a trophy for multitasking. When she said like that causes so much stress and you should try yeah. to out, like if you don't think meditation sounds like something you can get to right away, like try to carve out an hour a day where you do one thing and only that one thing for the hour. Maybe it's a half hour, maybe it's 20 minutes, but like that could be a part of a you know, you becoming unplugged and more connected with yourself for 20 minutes. Yeah. And it, it is, it, 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 it can't, it, it's not easy. Cause, and that's why not everyone is doing it, but it, it, it's very doable and it's even, we can fit it into our, our current routines. So, uh, you know, I read this interesting article recently on like walking meditation. So like when I say meditation, I'm not necessarily meaning like you're sitting, you know, in your lotus position and you got, you know, your two fingers touching or whatever. Like to me, meditation is just trying to live in that current moment. So I read this really interesting thing about like walking meditation. And so you don't need a lot of space. You need, I don't know, like a, a couple feet or something. And you just walk back and forth and just try and focus on like, you know, your, the way that you walk and how your feet touch the floor and what it feels like and feeling the air. Like you could do that walking from your, from your front door to your car. If you have, you know, a, a decent walk there or, you know, anywhere, like, you know, walking from one meeting to the next, like just trying to bring that awareness to that, like actual moment in time. And like, working out is another option. So I've always been to listen to music while I work out. Some people listen to podcasts or books on tape, whatever. Um, and I remember one time, this was a couple years ago, I went out for a run and like something, my music wasn't working. Like the headphones weren't working or something wasn't. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't do this run in silence. But I tried and it was actually really enjoyable. Like it was it was fine. I kind of just listened to my breathing and like listened to like the, the, my feet on the pavement. And so that I think is kind of a form of meditation. What's funny then is that when I went for the next run, like a couple of days later, I didn't do the same thing because I was so programmed to be like, Nope, I listen to music while I run. So it's like, it's hard to break those habits and to realize at what points in time you could plug in some quiet time, but it's, it's very doable. It is true because think about it, just like, you know, just run. Like all you need to do right now is just run. You don't need to like mm -hmm. listen to somebody else or like dance in your mind to the beat of the music. Just run. I've had that happen to me before on a run where like, I think my phone battery died or something and I had my earphones in. And so I could really hear myself breathing and it actually kind of did get me to like a meditative sort of state. Like it, there was a rhythm there and it was sort of like... But yeah, I mean, of course, you just go into your default mode. Like, this is when I do this thing. And now all of a sudden you're multitasking. Yeah.
And also just to touch on meditation, like I think the common misconception is that you sit in like silence and you, you clear your mind. But like, I, I think that like the clearing of the mind sounds impossible. So people give up on meditation, but when you clear your mind from like distractions, you actually hear things clearly. Like I feel like when I go to yoga and like, I clear my mind, then I come out with like business ideas and like how I feel about some guy that I went on a date with the night before. And like, because I'm not speaking to anybody else, I'm only talking to myself. I have this like internal dialogue where everything becomes clearer and I'm not interrupted. I'm just doing like what you're saying about like a walking or running meditation. Like you have you to talk to. So you actually can sort your stuff, your stuff out. And that's like, the gut talking and it's your intuition talking and it's yeah. really yeah. cool talking. Yeah. Take the pressure. Yeah. It's like, you're just slowing your, your thoughts a little bit down instead of trying to multitask, which is actually technically impossible for our brain to do. We're never multitasking. We're just very quickly bouncing from one thing to the next, which isn't extremely efficient. So it's kind of slowing all of that and trying to just focus, you know, on, and maybe it's just, two things or three things or one thing like people always think meditation oh i'm going to clear my mind and then they you know they try and do it and they they can't do it and they get frustrated but you know i i've heard certain meditation teachers say like meditation is called a practice because it's just that so every time you catch a thought you're like oh crap like i'm thinking about something and then you tr- you're just aware of that that is the practice it's like working out like if that's how you like work your meditation muscles, being aware of like, oh, look, I just, I just was aware of that thought. Like that is meditation. Like that's succeeding in it. So even if it gets down to like where you're sitting there and you're constantly thinking, but it's like that awareness of your thoughts, like that you're watching yourself think like that's the power of meditation. Yeah. You just take the pressure off yourself to like be clearing your mind or to be doing even to just think you need to do all of these things right now because you have spare time when like Jen said you're actually going to be more efficient and going to be more clear about something that maybe your gut or intuition is telling you and so you really are still accomplishing something like you just don't think you are pressure on ourselves like always be doing something and not be lazy and like sometimes you just need that restart or to really silence yourself to hear like you said Jen your gut or your intuition which is definitely hard to get to sometimes it is but it's also like when people always say like you have the answers and it's so like buddha like you you yeah. know, <laughs> know the answers like what no i need the answers no you know just the answers. tell me the answer right. and then <laughs> yeah. sign that if you actually talk like how you said about journaling and like you know sort of tracing back to the root of the thing and why you want the thing or why you need the relationship or why you can't accept being single or whatever it is that you feel like you have to have, you have to marry the doctor, then ultimately there's probably reasons for all of those things that you're just sort of like skirting under the rug. But if you actually sat with them, you'd find out. Yeah, exactly. We do. We, I really truly believe that we do all have the answers like to ourselves and our happiness and and all of that. But it's like, it's, it's buried under a lot. So you've got to dig through a lot of layers and and you do that by you know spending some kind of time whatever you can start with and you know maybe it is only you start with 10 minutes a day and there's a lot of studies out there about 
how important and how impactful like morning routines can be. So I've heard a lot of people um, like on different podcast interviews say that, um, you know, similar that they first thing they do when they wake up, they will not look at their phone. Like they've got certain things they're going to do for themselves first prior to ever looking at our phone, which, but which is just funny that we all feel like we have to look at our phone immediately because if, if we look at it right when we wake up or 30 minutes later, what difference does it actually make? It doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I think just being aware, well, asking yourself that question anyway is just a big deal. Like you mentioned in the beginning of the show, like ask yourself the questions and then ask yourself another question until you know you're getting to the real answer. It doesn't really matter. So just wait and give yourself a little like digestible routine, get in the habit of something. And then, you know, right there, you're already connected to yourself more. And get in the habit of reading Casey's blogs on all of the various <laughs> sites that she writes and contributes to. Casey, tell everyone where they can find articles you've written and your book and all of the things to get in touch. So links to, to everything is on my website, uh, CaseyMain, K-A-C-I-E-M-A-I-N.com. Um, so I've got links to a lot of articles I published on Thought Catalog. I've got other blog articles, links to all the podcast interviews. So this one will be up. Um, the book is on Amazon, Kindle, and Audible. Um, all my socials are, are on the website. So you can find me all over the place. Awesome. And everyone, you should find her. And if you don't do it, then you're going to find her here again because we obviously need to have her back on one more time, two more times, once a month. You'll see. <laughs> yes, we can't get up. We are not giving you up for Lent ever. No. Um, and Perfect. don't to tune in next week for our all new show with our guest Mel, the host of Your BFF podcast, in which Casey was also just on as well. Um, and if you guys would like to join in on the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. Rate and comment and share, please. And shout out to Ben Rowe for the amazing review he gave us the other day. It is long, it is wonderful, and he should be a writer. Oh, <laughs> great. Um, and you can follow me at Lauren Lee and Ellie on all the social meds and, or not Jen, depending on what you're searching for. Yeah. You might not find her though. You'll just find not Jen. Yeah. Um, also you can find me at I am Jen at Jennifer Golden. That's Jennifer's one N. You should all know that by now, um, on all the social meds and dating apps. Yay. Yay. All right. Well, thanks again, Casey, so much. And we, I'm sure we'll be having another date with you sometime soon in the near future. I love it. Awesome. Thank you. All righty. And we will be back next week and we will see you guys all then. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 